Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey guys, I am here with Ben Venn. How you doing, man? Yeah, good. Yourself? Pretty good. I have, uh, I've been wanting to talk to you for a long time because uh, all of your weird and crazy Game Boy inventions are really intriguing, and I just would love to, to get to bottom, the bottom of all those and ask you a bunch of questions. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, sure. So I guess uh, first, like I always like to ask people, do uh, you want to just give us a little bit of background about yourself and tell everybody how you started hacking Game Boys and making all these crazy cool inventions? Uh, yeah, well, it was a hobby when I was younger and then uh, sort of grew out of it a bit. Joined the Navy as an electronic technician. And then uh, I guess I got out of that and back into hobbies. So, so what kind yeah. of stuff did you do in the Navy? Uh, radars, mostly. Oh, so. cool. Cool. Similar but different, yeah. Yep. Did you ever hack your radar for a backlight or something? <laughs> uh, no, no. Not allowed to do that. Yeah. Um, so when did you start messing with the Game Boy stuff then? Was that uh, before the Navy or did you kind of get back and use your expertise? Uh, sort of during. When you're at sea, you got a lot of spare time, so you try to keep yourself busy. And one of those uh, little hobbies, I guess, was uh, developing. Hmm. Very cool. So, what was the the first thing that you made for the Game Boy then? Ooh, for the Game Boy, mm-hmm. um, I'd say a, a cart rider, one of the old flashes. Gotcha. You paused there. Was there something you made before the Game Boy stuff? Yeah, Nintendo stuff. Oh, like what? Um, flash carts, Game Sharks, that sort of stuff. Oh, okay, very cool. So, like single flash carts before the like stuff like the EverDrives were popular. Yeah, like EEPROM, so you'd do it all manually yourself. It wasn't too automated and it was complicated, so... Yeah, but for yeah. a long time, that was the only option, so... Yeah, and used to wreck a lot of games, but back then they were cheap. They were a couple of dollars a piece, so... Yeah, I hope you you only wrecked the terrible ones, too. Not, not like Super Mario 3 or something like that. Oh, it's terrible what I've wrecked, yeah. Gotcha. Well, the one question I want to ask right off the bat, because it's always driven me crazy is what is up with the Game Boy Advance uh, SP AGS 101s? So the, the backlit factory, uh, ba- you know, the factory backlit GBAs, because I've owned two before, um, and one was a little while ago, so I, I'm only going by memory, but I just, I never had a complaint about it. And then the one I most recently owned was great, except sometimes you'd get like a weird flickering. I guess the best way to describe it is when I was playing a Game Boy Color game on it. Um, when uh, Link, when his hat was like kind of flapping behind him, you would see it in like a weird strobing effect. Um, what's up with that? Like, what's up with the different backlight mods and everything? Could you just kind of give us a rundown of those? Because I think a lot of people are really curious about that. All right, so there's three um, backlit screens. Mm-hmm. Two original ones, and one's the aftermarket reproductions. Right. So the two original, um, there's the brown tab and white tab. I'm not sure if you've heard about those. No, no. Could you explain those, please? All right. Just a second. <laughs> so on the 
I don't know if you can see this with the resolution, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but um, on some screens there's a small brown tab at the, at the top here. Yeah. And also on the end connector. Okay. So the brown tabs were the first of the backlit screens, mm -hmm. and then Nintendo released the white tab screens, mm -hmm. and then the reproductions are a copy of the white tab. Gotcha. So they use slightly different uh, interface protocols, but they're more or less backwards compatible with real hardware. Mm -hmm. um, the difference being... There's a signal called REVC. Mm -hmm. It's used to, uh, I guess, it stops burning on the screen. So every pixel is driven on and driven off. But because the voltages are slightly different in the Game Boy, it flips the signaling around. So it drives them off as much as it does on, if that makes sense. Uh, it does. And just uh, sorry for a second. There's, a, I think there's a fire, uh, not in my building, not in my building, but I smell smoke and I can hear tons of, uh, yeah, right on the street, across the street, all these fire trucks. So I'm going to keep myself muted as much as possible. So if, uh, if I don't respond right away or I just nod, I'm not trying to pretend like I'm Silent Bob from the Jay and Silent Bob movies. I'll just save everybody from this. And uh, if anything really cool happens, I'll grab the camera and uh, and face it outside if something crazy happens. But yeah, I think there's a fire next door. <laughs> oh, awesome. Sorry. Sorry about that, guys. But um, oh, all right. So uh, the brown tab is the original, and that's the one that's the better looking one? No, it's the worst. It has the lowest response time. So any flickering, I guess it's filtered out or just smooshed, so you don't really notice it as much. Whereas the latest reproductions, they got the highest response time, and every imperfection you'll notice a lot, a lot easier. So that's the ones that you look for with the white tab on them. Yeah, and also Nintendo use white tabs with the brown tab chipsets. Mm -hmm. So there's a if you're going to use a screen, use the new one. You're guaranteed to get a white tab. Whereas the old ones, it's fifty-fifty, and it might not work gotcha. very well, or you'll get those issues. So how do the aftermarket replacements um, hold up to these two? Because the ones that I'd seen over the years, uh, there was one that I bought right when I first started the website, and I got it home, I turned it on, and I just, I mean, I didn't even have a game in it, just the Nintendo logo scrolling down in the front, and I went, nope, no fucking way, nope. Like, is it that the screen itself is bad? Are people just driving them improperly? What uh, system was it in? The SP was, or the game? It was a GBA, um, and it was not an original AGS 101. The seller, the seller was actually very cool. They said it was a Chinese uh, back, or you know, a Chinese reproduction screen, and they said, you know, if you don't like it, don't buy it. So they were very cool about all that stuff. But um, yeah, so it, it was uh, I, somebody modded it into a GBA. Okay, so the backlit um, screens they use 14 volts for the backlight. Okay. Uh, the, game, the Game Boy Advance has a 13-volt supply used for the pixel drive, not for backlighting. Mm -hmm. But people like to solder that little red wire onto the uh, pixel drive voltage. Mm -hmm. And that, la that loads up the Game Boy Advance, and it's not enough power for the screen as well. So the backlight's dull, and you'll get some flickering, you'll get refresh issues, and some blurring. I think the refresh issue is, uh, is what my eyes were seeing. Because yeah. I actually, well, that, in many cases, prefer the backlight on the lower setting anyway, unless it's like, you know, in a very bright sunlit room or something. So I, I don't think the brightness would have been anything that I remembered. I'm pretty sure it's the refresh rate. makes it. I, I don't want to say it makes it look low resolution, but there's a very instant quality difference to the image. Is it like interlacing? Is that what you noticed? Yeah, kind of. Every second line was uh, flickering or sort of not as, I don't know. Uh, that I, yeah. I'm gonna say 99%. So part yes. of oh, are you there? Yeah. Yep. Sorry. I'm gonna say 99% yes. Yeah. Mm 
Okay, so inside the game, so inside the game for advance, there's a negative and positive uh, 13 volt supply. When you use the positive 13 volt supply for the backlight, it draws that down, so the two voltages aren't balanced anymore. So the pixels are uh, being driven on or off more than they are off or on. If that sort of makes sense. Yeah. So what you need to do is not use the um, the LCD drive voltage for the backlight. And a way around that is to use an external uh, 13 volt supply. Okay. So it's basically just that they were not driven properly then. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Pretty much. Yeah. So is it that, um, how did that even happen to start with? Cause the only analogy that I could make, cause I'm not an electrical engineer at all is very often you'll see people post like RGB mods on forums um, and it says, hey, this works, and then, you know, years will go by and people will just assume that's the right way to do it, and then somebody will finally come around and put a scope on it and go, whoa, this is all wrong. So is it that? Is it just somebody wired up a backlit screen and said, uh, you know, yeah, it'll work, whatever, like, and now somebody else came, you came along afterwards and went, no, that doesn't work, you have to drive it differently, you have to make sure the voltage matches, and that's something like that? Is that kind of what happened? I think the issue was there's no data sheets for any of the Nintendo products, so you don't know what the signaling should be. Mm -hmm. People sort of uh, guess to what it should be from other designs, other LCDs, mm -hmm. and I think that's where it originated. After looking at a few different consoles, you can spot the differences on what the signals are supposed to do, and then I guess you can restore them to what they should be doing. Gotcha, gotcha. Interesting. So um, could you actually take one of those backlit China screens then and just drive it properly and have it look as good as a white tab? Yeah, definitely. Wow, I'm pretty shocked. That's not what I would have expected. <laughs> um, an example is in the Game Boy Color. When you use them in a Game Boy Color, okay. um, there's no issues at all whatsoever with any of the artifacting or you know, contrast, refresh. It's all driven correctly, and that's thanks to a separate chip doing all the interfacing. But they should work as good as the originals. Huh, very cool. Um, I, uh, you actually sent a kit to, uh, to Ben of iFix Retro in Brooklyn, and uh, we oh, just yeah. we we missed each other. I was going to go down and review it, but his customer needed it right away, and I was not around that day, so I never actually got to see one of your kits in person. I was a little upset about that. I really wanted to check it out, um, but you haven't just been working on that too. You've been working on RGB out mods for it and stuff like that as well. Yep, for the Game Boy Advance, Game Boy Color, and the DMG. So there are a few products that are going to come out soon. Yeah, could you talk more about that? Because that, um, you know, there's Woozle's working on the HDMI output. There's obviously the Game Boy interface for GameCube, which, you know, if you're using one of the new GC Duels, that's that's pretty cool, but you still need to buy the GC Duel, the GameCube, the Game Boy Player, the, the SD card reader, like, you know. Uh, so I'm really interested in an RGB solution for it. Um, you want to just kind of give us a rundown on what you're doing and how you deal with uh, the different refresh rates on TVs versus the, the LCD screens? Yeah, so that's an interesting one. Um, with the refresh rates and HDMI, for example, it needs to be spot on 60 hertz. Right. And I think what that other um, engineer has done has uh, overclocked the Game Boy, so it's running slightly faster, mm -hmm. which simplifies everything a whole lot. Mm -hmm. But it also does break compatibility with the link port. Uh, that relies on pretty precise timing. Mm -hmm. And some of the audio is out as well. But it's only a fraction of a percent, so I'm not sure if you'd be able to spot that just with the ear. 
And for your average person, if you're playing on a flat screen through HDMI, there's always going to be some kind of negative side effect, whether, you know, even if you put it through the best TV, through the best upscaler, there's just, there's got to be something when you go from the, a device that was designed either for an analog tube or for its own proprietary screen over to that. So I think that's a small trade-off, but I think so many purists, uh, and I, I don't know if I'd use the word purist, but I'm certainly a freak when it comes to playing these games um, on analog equipment, uh, prefer RGB output, or I guess VGA too, depending on uh, how you uh, what display you're using. So uh, I think that's what a lot of people are going to be excited for, is to just grab a modded GBA and plug it right into their RGB monitor. Um, how is that handled, and uh, can you get away with sending the improper refresh rates, refresh rates to most CRTs without worrying about it? With VGA, yes. Uh, a CRT will sync to whatever you send to it, uh, pretty much. It might not like it, but it's only a fraction of percent off, and it's not going to really, you know, you won't notice it. With RGB, um, it's slightly different. It's a lot more complicated, and a lot of TVs, modern ones, will just say loss of sync or signal, or just throw an error up, basically. Interesting. Um, Which means you'll need to... In all of my testing, I found that uh, when you use something like a, a Sony PVM, especially the the medical grade ones they'll they'll accept anything you throw at it but then you get into the more high precision ones like the Sony BVMs the broadcast monitors they're really dialed in and looking for a very specific signal and then same with um RGB modded TVs because that jungle chip is looking for a very standard TV signal going to it um so i imagine with RGB it really depends on the solution that you're using yeah, I think it's the decoding in the TV. If it's trying to auto-sync or multi-sync, it's going to need to, I guess, reference it with a known um, frequency list. Mm-hmm. And if it can't find that, it's going to be confused. Whereas the older ones, like the PVMs, they're all analog circuitry, and they'll just see the sync, and they'll sync lock to it, and it, it should work you know, pretty well. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, so how far along are you on these projects, then, for, uh, I guess, for the Game Boy Advance ones at the moment? Well, this is the prototype for the Game Boy Advance. Very cool. Uh, it works fine. Um, there are a few issues with the prototype. There's interference, which has all been sorted now. Okay. Um, the install's a bit tricky. It's a ribbon cable install, but you'll need to use a SNES controller. Mm-hmm. So you got to wire that up to this board and then wire this board to all the um, pad points. On or the original you just control. use um, an extension cable and cut that apart and then use that as, a, you know, as the receptacle, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'll probably put the socket on the actual board for the, the full version. Okay. Um, but you still need to solder from this board to all the like the up, down, left, right, all those points on the actual Game Boy. Gotcha. Which will be the hardest part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, does that board have a switch so you could just, um, you could actually decide between VGA and RGB, or are those going to be two separate ports? I'm not sure yet. Um, I'd probably keep it with the VGA and then maybe have like a, a dongle that comes out so you can just suck the RGB off it. The signaling isn't that different. Mm-hmm. Um, it, might, it might need a different frame buffer for RGB during because of the different, uh, I guess, you know, frame rates and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'm not too sure how, how to go about the RGB just yet. Uh, gotcha. It's definitely different from VGA. VGA is pretty much Game Boy Advance spec as it is, so there's not too much work to do. And are you doubling the resolution when you go to VGA, or is it just windowed inside the monitor? Yeah, it's doubled on VGA uh, on Game Boy mode and Game Boy, uh, sorry, Game Boy Advance mode, Game Boy Color, and Game Boy mode is tripled. Oh, cool. Okay. So there's still going to be borders depending on uh, uh, which which console, but uh, overall, I mean, it's still going to fill more of the screen than uh, than just like a little tiny window in the middle. 
Yeah, definitely. I could do the full scaling, but it wouldn't be linear, and that's a big issue, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, me too, because you could always notice the tearing and the differences if it's anything like that. Yeah, especially with like uh, tiles on a floor, for example. Um, they look elongated, and they, they it's just a, it's a mess. So Agreed, yeah. Um, I think if people are going through the trouble to play it analog, they're going to absolutely notice those little differences. Um, yeah. So you said you're also working on video out for the Game Boy and Game Boy Color as well? Yep, well, for the Game Boy, it's already done. There's a few products. There's this little guy called the Porchy, and that goes inside the Game Boy, and then you can have just a socket on it. And there's also this one, which is similar to the Game Boy Advance one. It turns mm-hmm. it into a console. So you plug it into your TV and you use a NES controller for that. That is very, very cool. Uh, and are those VGA as well? Yeah, they're VGA, yep. Oh, uh, also, that reminds me, the LCDs. Um, I saw your latest uh, video. That with the Game Boy Color? Yeah. So these screens are still available. They're about uh, $8, $9 each. The ones that are using that Taobao, the Taobao Chinese one? Yeah. So I'm not sure where those stories originated from about uh, there being no screens left or some guy getting sick. I don't, I don't know how true all that is. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, the, uh, the original website that, or the, the YouTube channel that uh, talked about that, you know, it's a beloved channel, so I don't want to get attacked again, for, but it was like a 20-minute video of speculation that it sounded like he was making most of it up, so I don't, I don't know what happened with any of that. Uh, all I know is no, the guy never responded to anybody's email after, like, the first four or five were made, so. Yeah. It's a uh, shame. It's interesting the way he's done it. Um, it's a very tight fit in there. That screen's very long. It takes up a lot of space, including some of the D-pad. So that was a bit of an issue. Oh, geez. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's interesting. It's a good good solution. So on yours, um, are you running... Is it the native... Well, I mean, it would be the native resolution of the Game Boy Color, so you're not doubling it. So it looks exactly like a Game Boy Color game would look on a Game Boy Advance, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, Is there... Have there been any mods to... um, to like just make a a tall Game Boy Color shaped Game Boy Advance with triggers in the back because uh, I mean that's uh, with three D printing the way it is nowadays I almost am wondering if you can use off the shelf like uh, screens like the glass screen covers and everything else but just make a tall Game Boy Advance so people could just use your kits that way. I've seen a Game Boy SP three um, D printed shell so it looks like a Game Boy I guess it's the same form factor sort of. Huh. Um, it looked a bit weird I didn't like it. But it's it is out there, so there's that. I'd love to see that. If you still have the link, let me know. Just because even the weird stuff, and you know, I got to get a 3D printer this year. It's on my like must ha- must have list of things to buy, and that's totally the type of thing where I would just set it on like a Friday night, and I'm sure it would take forever to build a full case like that, and just you know, or like leave for work in the morning and come back at night and have half a case built, and then the next day do the other half, and just just to mess around with. I think stuff like that's a ton of fun. So yeah, yeah. Have you messed no, with a, any um, 3D printing for your stuff? Yeah, well, all my um, most of my products are 3D printed. So the the car flasher, they're oh. all in 3D printed cells. So how do you have um, those made? Do you just leave your 3D printer running to just to make enough? Yeah, it's about an hour and a half per shell. So the printer's running 24/7 pretty much. Wow. Yeah, it's flat out. Huh. That's pretty cool though. I've just um, started building um, an injection molding machine, so I'll be able to press my own, I guess, cases, cart shells, everything pretty soon. Huh. And once that takes off, then I'll start doing die casts. So I'll have aluminium Game Boy colors, uh, all that sort of stuff, which would be pretty cool. That is going to be crazy. Huh. 
Well, I saw the feedback for that um, uh, that Game Boy Pocket with a metal shell. Hyperkin. Yeah. yeah. Have you heard about that one? Um, no, and I, I don't know. If, uh, I've interviewed uh, the product development guy, Chris Glizzy, and he's a really nice guy, and I just I never want to ask questions that uh, I shouldn't be asking. So as much as I'd love to email him and be like, tell me the whole story, <laughs> I just I don't want to be disrespectful because he, you know, he can't just share the secrets. You know, I'd love to think that it's some kind of awesome project with like a really high-quality gut to it, but just based on the past few things I've seen from them, it's probably just going to be you know the, the cheapest possible possible thing they could make with a cool aluminum shell so yeah oh the shell's definitely a selling point i think the rest of it it's just a backlit game boy more or less no matter how they go about doing it yeah but the shell definitely cool so so um what other things have you been working on lately because i saw that you have the cart programmers and then you have the individual flash carts i think you even have one with real-time clock in it right yeah well they're um repurposed uh japanese game boy um golden uh, pokemon gold and silver gotcha so I just pull the chips out of that, put flash chips in there, and it's the best you can get. Uh, low power, mm-hmm. whereas a normal flash card, they use quite a bit with the um, the FPJ in there to control the mapping. Mm-hmm. Whereas the originals use dedicated chips, and it's a lot lot better for the Game Boy. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, so yeah. uh, what else are you working on lately? I mean, uh, I, I follow you on Facebook. Is that actually the only place you post is Facebook, or do you, are you on um, other uh, social media as well? I've got Instagram. I'm not very good at social media, um, okay. but... You know, normally I would love to just sit here and talk for, for hours, but uh, I got a, a bit of a time constraint this time. So uh, I think rather than me sitting here and rambling on like a fanboy that just wants to talk about all your products, um, uh, I guess I should just ask, like, what else would you like to talk about? Because you have so many things that I've been following for the past couple of years that are awesome. Um, what's like your favorite thing that you've worked on? What's, uh, what's like the biggest pain in the ass to sell? Like what's... Uh, I don't know, like, what's your thoughts on some of the products that you make? I guess the favorite product would be the um, the video out for the Game Boy, the original Game Boy. Oh, yeah? It turns it into a console, and I think it's great. I, I play a lot of it, but people didn't really, you know, take up on it, so I think they're going to be discontinued pretty soon, which is a shame. Yeah, too um, bad. There's also the new Game Boy screen, the color. Mm-hmm. So this is something I've been playing with. Right now, it's got some refresh issues. I'm trying to get to the bottom of that, and then hopefully there's a kit where you can install it without chopping up the shell or soldering, just straight in. Oh, and hopefully, okay. Um, yeah, so that's, that's in the works. It's it's coming along slowly, very slowly. So um, um, that's literally going to be like a, a replacement backlit screen for the Game Boy Color that you could just, uh, I mean, it, you, uh, you don't have, it's going to be similar to your other kit, but you don't actually have to cut any of the plastic. You just swap the screen out and, and install your kit. And it'll be a lot cheaper. The downside is the screen's about, I don't know, five millimeters smaller than the original, which is about the same as what the um, the Game Boy Advance screen image is in a Game Boy Color, if that makes sense. It does, but do you see, like, around it? Do you see, like, the, you know, the circuit board in the back when you're looking through the glass, or do you just see the outline of the, the metal screen? Uh, you'll see just the outline of the metal screen, which you can mask that, I suppose, with a custom screen protector, but... Yeah, you know, it's just, it's one of those things where, you know, as a nerd, I always like seeing inside the stuff that I'm using, but it is kind of distracting. So I think even just a custom, uh, you know, a custom screen protector that you can make with it, or or even, I guess, just black tape around the edges, just so it blends into the background, it would even be a, a you know, a good solution. But that's pretty cool, though. I think, um, 
you know, that's the one thing that's intimidating to a lot of people that might even be decent at soldering is having to cut plastic because if yeah. you cut too far, there's no going back. Whereas if you're kind of intermediate or beginner at soldering and you, you know, you break a trace, most of the time you could bring it to an expert who could fix that for you, no problem. Whereas the plastic, forget it, you know, it's gone forever, so... Yeah, it's definitely a big job cutting the shell out for the Game Boy um, 101 screen. It's, yeah. <laughs> but it's it's part of the mod, I guess. It's what you do. Yeah. People enjoy it. Some people enjoy it. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So do you have a... Um, when you sell these things, I've been on your, your web store a bunch of times looking for stuff, and most things are very often sold out because they're all in high demand, obviously. Um, is that pretty much... How, how do people follow your products to make sure that they get... Uh, like they could, they could get one when they want to. Is it just a matter of logging in every day and refreshing, or do you have mailing lists or anything like that? Do you ever do pre-orders or group buys? There should be a uh, email little field on the website. You can put your email address in there, and you'll get alerts when the product's restocked. Uh, okay. It's all hand-assembled, so it takes time to build these things, and I don't really build that many at once. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want something, you can email me, and I'll try to get you on top of the list. But there is quite a backlog of people requesting, you know, bits and pieces. So it'll take some time. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, that's uh, a lot of the stuff. Uh, you're either the only person or one of the few people doing it. So it's, uh, you know, all that stuff is definitely in high demand. Well, I got the ribbons made in China because it was uh, it would save time. Mm-hmm. And then I've noticed there's a clone out there now for the ribbon. Have you seen that? No. Someone on Taobao emailed me a photo of this ribbon that's been, I guess, it's for sale in China, and it's pretty much the same as what I've got. So I probably won't do that again. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, unfortunately, there's really no way around that because it, while it's it's easier to have happen if you go through China manufacturing because they literally just go, oh, hey, I guess I could just, you know, I, I made 100. Why not I just make 50 more and see what happens? But the bottom line is, if somebody wants to clone something, I mean, all they have to do is buy one. So, it's not, yeah, yeah, you can't really get around yeah. it. Yeah, but you know, that's uh, that's the argument that we had on the retro roundtable a couple of times: is stock versus you know um, where to buy it from. And so often, if people aren't in the loop, right? If you just Google, you know, a backlit kit with flex cable. You know, and yours is the first to come up, and you're out of stock. And then, you know, there's a place in, on Taobao that's selling it. Your average person's not going to know that that's stolen. So it's always a yeah. always try to a struggle to try to keep everything in stock to get away from that stuff. But. Well, that's the reason why I have uh, minimal stock as well, because I'm constantly changing the designs, updating them, mm-hmm. and that way it kind of well, I think it's less enticing for the Chinese to clone something and then have it a new model come out. True. Like the EverDrive, for example. So. Uh, that's one strategy, anyway. I've, I've been thinking about. So, yeah, I uh, I bought one, on purpose. I bought a Chinese clone of an EverDrive once. I'd already bought it. I bought the original. Like I'm not just trying to, to skimp out. And I immediate there was immediate problems with it. And I, I just kind of wanted to see for myself. Like, is half price? Like, am I actually going to get the same thing? And no, <laughs> not at all. So uh, did yeah. it work at all? It worked, but you couldn't update the firmware in it, which is uh, which is strange because the SD to SNES runs off whatever firmware is just on the card, um, and yeah. it wouldn't run MSU One audio games. So okay, it didn't make sense to me at all. So there was obviously some some serious issues with the board, and not just you know anything else. But yeah, for anybody watching, stay away from Chinese clones. It's almost never a good thing. So. That's interesting though, how they can um, make it cheaper. It's it's a skill. 
It is, um, and we did that when I uh, when the company I worked for would manufacture out there. We would see we would find ways to cut costs, and there were things that made complete sense. Like uh, you know, if you if the sides of our plastic weren't as rounded, we could save fifteen thousand dollars in tooling, and you know now they're eighty cents a piece instead of a dollar twenty. And uh, it was things that, you know, that because they do it every day and they're so good at doing that, that they were able to figure those things out. And those, I really give those engineers a lot of credit because those little things like that where they're just experts at what they do is pretty fascinating. But uh, other ways where it's just like, well, let's just use capacitors that are going to explode and leak in, in six months because the warranty's three months, so who cares? <laughs> like, those are the things yeah. that drive me insane, and it, it's very common to have crap like that, so... A lot of the new bootleg um, Game Boy carts, they use 1.8-volt flash chips oh, yeah. in a 5-volt system. So that's not very reliable, and a lot of the time they'll just they just fail. So Yeah, and all so. that stuff wears, you know, wears your console down a lot more than a normal cart would. And it just... Uh, and that's debatable, yeah. Yeah, that's the thing, and it just, uh, it's risk to reward, right? So technically, you could say, like, using a, a real-time clock or using an FX cart on a Super Nintendo would wear your console down more. But I don't care, I want to play Star Fox. But if you have the choice between two things that are identical, but one's going to wear your console down and one isn't, I mean, I'm obviously going to take the one that isn't. Even if we're talking about a few hours of life of something that lasts years, you know, it's just uh, the risk to reward isn't there. So, yeah, absolutely. would always want to make sure I get the ones at the right voltage. But Is this regarding the, the, um, the level converters on flashcards? Yeah, um, but I'm, I'm... Yes, but I'm very much more speaking to the Chinese clone carts that put out just wrong voltage. Um, and some of the yeah. ones that are just very harmful and damaging, especially the ones that we always talked about, the ones that Renee would just go crazy and, and I would try to fly the flag to get people to not buy are the Neo Geo 161 and 1. Um, we've seen, we've actually seen MVSs be damaged from that. Uh, and uh, the NES one, I think it was the, I forgot, it was 100 or something, or 120 or whatever, but those two were sold, I mean, they sold a ton of those things, and that's terrible. That's like almost as bad as plugging your console into wrong voltage or something. It's, uh, I'm shocked that more people, more people's consoles didn't die as a result, so. No, I've um, heard of any actual damage happening from those cuts, but if you say there is, that's... The Neo Geo one is the only one that I know that there have been some serious issues with. Uh, and it's not a lot, it's not millions, but uh, I've definitely had people had issues. Um, and then, it, you know, as soon as they... It, that were definitely traced to that, I guess. But I think that's yeah. the number one culprit for those things. The rest are just... A, a lot of it's just better practice versus, you know, good enough. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Well, I'm really glad we finally got to catch up... Um, you know, with the time zone difference with Australia versus New York City and everything else. And uh, you're pretty far out there, right? You're, uh, what, where, what city or town do you live in? Uh, near Canberra. We're about two hours from the city. So. Oh, really? One of my really good, good friends grew up in Canberra. So I get all the stories oh, right. from there. And I get all the, yeah. all the jokes about the roundabouts I get because uh, I have to listen to his all the stories about it. So. Do you have roundabouts where you are? 
We do, but apparently not as intense as uh, as they do in Canberra. So oh, they're everywhere. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's uh in in New Jersey, which is right outside of New York City. There, instead of roundabouts, they just have these things where you basically have to turn right to turn left off of any ma- major road. They make you go off to the side and around. So that's where the whole Canberra versus uh, New Jersey battle came between my buddy Nigel and I one time. But yeah, <laughs> hey. that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, well, thanks again for taking the time to do this. Um, I will have links to everything down below, um, and uh, I'm obviously going to continue to follow your work. I've been a fan since uh, I discovered your, the first project of yours, and you know, just please keep doing what you're doing because a lot of people really appreciate it. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, no problem. All right, I'll take care. All right, chat soon. Bye.